from the uh, eras of the past. And that was Research Fellow at the Helen Suzman Foundation, Aubrey Machitki. Pretoria 624, Johannesburg 523, Frenchang 021, Nasprey 1222, Emelot 317, Emelot 319, Bolokwane 923, Fiona Palaboro tomorrow 1423, 1220 in Sanin 1423, Musina Mokobane 924, Clackstop 023, Mahike 724, 725 in Rustenburg, Freiburg 025, minus 421 in Bloomfontein, Velcom minus 119, 024 in Uppington, minus 421, Kimberley, Cape Town 919, Fringe George tomorrow 619, Bedford West 021, Portulus, 923, Grams 525, East London 1024, Queenstown 321, King Williamstown 621, Durban 1124, Richardsbay 1325, 522 in Petermarine Square tomorrow and 223 in Ladysmith. From us, thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Up next, Market Update. Good night. Good night. Six o'clock, this is the SAFM Market Update with Money Webb Hilton Tarrant with you on this Wednesday evening. Tonight, local poultry producers are blaming chicken imports for destroying their businesses. But are they really to blame? David Wolpert of the Association of Meat Importers and Exporters has, as you would imagine, a different view on the matter. Joanne Duplessis of FNB on the bank's new fee pricing, which kicks in at the end of this month. PwC's Hein Buchmann on the state of the global mining sector. It's facing a crisis of confidence. And David Shapiro of Sasson is with us to make sense of the markets on a day where the JSC ended down a quarter of 1%. That and more to come. First, here's the news. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Sunrail dismisses Outer's continued challenge and ANC denies that it pressurized MTN. For SFM News at 6, I'm Sam Marshall. The South African National Roads Agency says Outer's continuing battle against the Gauteng E-Tolls does not make sense. Outer, the opposition to Urban Tolling Alliance today, asked for donations of 1 million rand by June 21 to allow it to go ahead with its Supreme Court of Appeal case. In response, Sanwell spokesperson Vizimona has welcomed Outer's statement that it supports the user pays principle. The SABC's Molabacheng Sabidi reports. Alta lost the latest round to its ETOL challenge in the North Gauteng High Court. They are taking this on to the Supreme Court of Appeal in September. But Sanral says the whole court case might just be a waste of time. The road agency lashed out to Alta's statement that it was not opposed to the user pay principle. Alta has, however, always maintained that it was not opposed to motorists paying for the road upgrade. But they say they are against ETOLs as a revenue collection mechanism as the cost of collection outweighs the infrastructure upgrade on major highways. Mulebukheng CBD, SABC News, Johannesburg. The Gauteng ANC has denied that it pressurized mobile company MTN to halt the Democratic Alliance's advertising campaign on its airtime vouchers. The party says it merely complained to MTN that the campaign was no more than predatory ambush marketing. It emerged that MTN was not aware of the Know Your DA campaign on its vouchers as it is the distributor responsible for printing and distributing airtime vouchers. Spokesperson in KK Kakana denies that the party called for boycott. Ambush marketing can never be right because the intention is to mislead a consumer out there. If the DA is desperate to market itself, there are platforms out there 
that are regulated where they can market themselves. But this form of, uh, of ambush marketing should be discouraged. The National Prosecuting Authority, the MPA, will announce its decision on the position of suspended MPA senior prosecutor Glennis Breitenbach tomorrow. Breitenbach, her legal representative, and the MPA met today to discuss whether she will return to work or not. She has been cleared of all 15 charges against her, but the MPA wanted a court review on that decision. MPA legal representative William Macare says no decision has been made yet. He says the MPA still has to evaluate what she she has told them and what the impressions are before taking a decision. We'll be able to communicate a decision to her through her attorney by close of business tomorrow on whether or not she should return to work and if so, when, how and in which position. The Malian army says it clashed with Tureg separatists near the northern town of Kidal. It's the first time the Malian army has fought against the Tureg separatists since the French-led military intervention in the north of the country in January made it possible for Mali's military to return there. The BBC's Thomas Fessy reports. A spokesman for the Tuareg rebels has confirmed that the unexpected attack by government troops had forced the MNLA fighters to pull out of Anifis and regroup in the surrounding mountains. The Malian army has sent hundreds of troops with the aim of retaking the northern town of Kidal, a historic stronghold for Tuareg rebellions. The push by the Malian army comes as talks had resumed between the rebel group and the transitional authorities in neighboring Burkina Faso. The French had so far kept government troops away from Kidal, fearing ethnic clashes. South African scientists and law enforcement officials have met in Pretoria to identify legal standards required for using DNA barcoding evidence to try conservation crimes in South African courts. This comes on World Environmental Day. These legal standards will help develop operating procedures for constructing a DNA reference library for all forms of life. Dr. David Schindel of the Smithsonian Institute in the U.S. is the Secretary of the Consortium for the Barcoding of Life, or CBOL. He says the data gathered will help in court cases to penalize culprits who vandalize fauna and flora. And a word from the National Power Utility Electricity Usage this evening is expected to be extremely high, particularly between 5pm and 9pm, as more households switch on lights, heaters and cookers. Eskom says by switching off all non-essential appliances during these hours, particularly geysers and pool pumps, households can help make a difference. Households are urged to cook smart by using lids and ensuring that the pot or pan being used completely covers the stove plate. Recapping the top story this hour, the South African National Roads Agency says Outer's continuing battle against the Gauteng Eagles does not make any sense. First of news at 6, I'm Sam Marshall. Next news update is at 7. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Thanks, Sam. Six minutes after six o'clock, Hilton Tarrant with you on the market update this Wednesday evening. Tons to get through. Uh, lots happening on the markets today as uh, the volatility knows no end. David Shapiro of Sassman standing by. But first, as always, Google it. Mfupi has your business news. Thanks, Hilton. Good evening. Sunlam today released an operational update indicating that for the four months ended in April this year, its new business volumes were up by 30% at $49 billion. The firm adds that consistent focus on the diversification strategy supported the group to absorb the relatively weak investment market performance in South Africa over the period, as well as a challenging claims environment experienced by Suntam.
State-owned aerospace and defense technology company Dinal is diversifying its services to reduce its dependency on government funding. In the current financial year, Dinal has invested 530 million rand in research and development. Through its high-tech manufacturing section, Dinal brought in an excess of 1.7 billion rand into the South African economy. And Transnet, South Africa's state-owned rail and ports operator, is considering a sale of long-term inflation-linked debt to match the lifespan of some of its assets. Transnet plans to raise 15.6 billion rand in the fiscal year ending in March next year to invest in new infrastructure. The company also plans to tap the domestic market for about 60% of the amount and the difference from foreign sources. Looking at the markets now, the JCO share index has ended the day off in the red, down by a quarter of 1% at 40,793 points. The rands are 10 rand exactly to the US dollar, 15.36 to the pound and 13 rand 9 cents against the euro. Gold trading at $1,403 an ounce, a barrel of Brent crude oil at $104, and the platinum price at $1,506 an ounce, Hilton. Thanks, Gugu. Uh, David, before we get to the markets, that Transnet story, mm. a skeptic could argue that uh, linking the long-term debt to inflation is perhaps the only way around uh, a rather little tricky problem that Transnet has, uh, has found itself in. It, it is, and I, possibly they started the roadshow long before um, we had the, the movement in our debt markets, you know, the kick-up. Uh, I'm sure a lot of the planning was done before that, so it's no surprise that they weren't able to place it. Um, the worry is what's the next move, you know, are they going to now look for inflation linkers? I don't think it's inflation linker. I don't think it's got anything to do with inflation linker. It's a RAND or country linker. Mm. Um, you know, that's going to drive them down. So, but it's also a portent of further um, raising or capital raising for the government, you know, in terms of infra- other infrastructural programs. So it is a worry and it's something that, that, that uh, you know, we've been talking about or certainly writing about, you know, what the cost to the country will be of some of our policies and the, you know, the, the um, what's the word, almost the, consequences mm. of Marikana and mining strikes and other issues like that. Just so a it's, a, it's a worry, you know, and it's, I don't think we can take it lightly, and I mm. think government just should perk up and, ins- and, and just face it instead of just trying to brush it aside as, oh, you know, everything comes right. No, these things don't come right. You've got to make them right. Just to recap, uh, Transnet issued uh, bonds domestically, target of uh, three quarters of a billion rand, that's mm. 750 million rand of debt that it had uh, hoped to to raise, mm. attracting bids of only 122 million rand. I can't remember the last time this happened. No, no. And it's, you know, you know the big fear, and it's not only South Africa, but South Africa is a big part of it because we've had some very attractive interest rates. Um, I'm not sure what percentage of our bonds are owned by foreigners, but I would imagine it's a big chunk. It's 40%. 40%. There you are. Okay. It's Together with people like the PRC, you've got the two biggest holders now. If that 40% starts to change, which it's doing, who's going to replace that? You know, I don't think the other institutions in South Africa got the appetite to go into a bond market now. So, you know, you, we, we're going to find it. You know, you've, you've, got, you've got issues. So, you know, don't, don't, don't brush it aside. It's something we've got to address. On the market, uh, JSE pulling back a quarter of 1%. Lots of volatility. Some shares up, some shares down. 
uh, retailers still under pressure, mm. some of the industrials, the South African ink, <laughs> so-called South African ink stocks under pressure? Under pressure, and uh, the, the only thing that saved us today or saved our blushes was that the rand depreciated again. We're back over 10 against the dollar, you know, having been, I think, as low as about 970 yesterday. So we've given back all of that. Um, and a lot has to do with, with international markets, where there's still these concerns that, that Bernanke is going to start pulling back um, on his stimulus programs. That's put pressure on equity market. That's pushed, uh, um, um, you know, it's drawn money back into the dollar, and that's uh, weakened the rand. It's also pushed up precious metal prices like gold. So what happened is with the weaker rand and precious metal prices going up, we had a better uh, mining market. But if you look at the industrial market, and if you look at the financial market, a lot of selling off there. And uh, one worries, you know, you, we're, we're, we're trying to gauge how far does this go? You know, how long will it take for all of this to unwind and how serious is the unwind of, uh, of some of the sell-off? You know, no one can, that, 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 you know, that's where the uncertainty lies. MTN down 3%, Woolies down 3%, mm. Trueworths down 3%, mm. uh, Nuspress down uh, 2.3%. Uh, on the upside, we saw Sunlum boosted. Nice operational update there. Well, compare that with MMI. Or all mutual. So, very good result out of them. Just on the MTN, that came through that Fitch downgrade mm. you know, uh, of their debt. I, I wouldn't expect it. Uh, I think it's not unexpected. They came down about 3%. So, those were some of the highlights. Break as well. I don't know if you picked up Break, mm. the results were out. Um, I was I was astonished by Pep's results. I mean, mm. underlying they, you know, 61% of the assets are in Pep. Um, that's through Christo Visa um, having sold that to, to Break. But uh, a very good underlying result there. They do mention in mm. the commentary to the, the numbers, and of course the share price up 3% on the back of, of that result today, they do mention that they do have 2.7 billion rand in cash and mm. facilities available. Mm. You can imagine that uh, Christo Visser and the team at Breit are sitting on the sidelines very patiently. In this kind of market, mm. I would imagine so. I don't know whether they're going to do anything here or offshore. But uh, there must be some juicy um, you know, options coming available. David Talcom announcing this morning it will mm. impair, or might impair rather, the value of its legacy network. I think we can take that as a given. <laughs> yeah. uh, the company has a net asset value of uh. 57 rand a share. The only problem is the share price is at 14 rand. 14, okay. So, some yeah. change. Thereabouts. Mm. Uh, it's been hovering thereabouts. So um, you've got a write off. Not all of that, but you will write a significant amount. Because what the market's saying is that those assets are not worth their, mm. what they were, sorry, what they're worth on the books. Mm. In other words, you're, they're overstating it. Because assets are worth what you can get out of them, you know, the revenue you can create out of them, not the, not the copper. I don't think, you know, these are not assets that you can actually sell. So I think all they're doing is actually recognizing what the market has already recognized. I went into the annual report from 2012. Uh, its network uh, cost has so far cost, this is mm. accumulated cost, 63.5 billion rand. Mm. The accumulated depreciation is about 35 billion. That gives you a carrying value of 28 billion. That's what Telcom so thinks its network is worth. That's half its total assets. Yeah. And that, they're going to write those down to a realistic value. And, you know, they haven't given Who knows what that is? No one knows uh, what it is. But 
Hilton, I think it was a very realistic, this is new management coming in, and it was a realistic assessment of where they are and the competition that they, um, that they actually face in the industry. You know, they, they mentioned it, that, that, uh, the, the problems they're facing and, and finally just facing it, you know, looking it in the eye and, uh, um, doing what they should do. So hopefully you're going to get a much more streamlined company coming out of this. What their next move is to actually uh, hone down the company, you know, start uh, um, uh, bringing in efficiencies. I'm sure it's going to lead to a lot of layoffs and that. But if this is the start, then maybe it's time. Uh, you know, it's much dirty to look at it, but I mean, they're starting to move in the right direction. Company at Payne's obviously in the announcement to point out that this is just an accounting transaction. Nothing changes as far as cash is yeah, concerned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, that's it. <laughs> Initially, they don't want to start because government will come and say you can't do it at this time. Some nice you know, tax advantages. Sure. But, I mean, you can't uh, – these are non-cash write-offs, you know, but, um, um, and it's, not, it's a non-balance sheet item. In that. But, but, I mean, what you will do is it, it's bound to lead to a whole restructuring. Otherwise, what's management doing there? SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Quarter past six on this Wednesday evening. Hilton Tarrant with you on the market update. While concerns raised by practically every participant in the local poultry industry over the level of chicken imports, those concerns have been louder and louder over recent months. Some have placed the blame squarely on imports for the dire straits which uh, the broiler businesses find themselves in. Some cite uncompetitiveness and most warn about imminent job losses and closures in, in the sector. David Walpert is Chief Executive of the Association of Meat Importers and Exporters of South Africa. David, obviously you're coming at this from the other side of the fence. This 400,000 ton number that everyone's throwing about as, as an import number of chickens into the country uh, in, d- d- during last year, how does that compare to, to total local production? Uh, good evening, Hilton. The, the 400,000 is a totally meaningless figure because it includes a huge amount of what we call MDM, that's mechanically deboned meat, which is a chicken paste used in the manufacture of polonies and sausages and is not made in South Africa. So one can't include that. If we exclude the MDM, the total tonnage of uh, imported chicken of comparable products is about 220,000 tons. So total imports represent around about 10% of total local local production and about 12% of current consumption. So the industry is hardly an import-dominant dom- uh, industry. The, the Poultry Association uh, in South Africa obviously appealing to the DTI uh, or through the DTI to ITAC, the International Trade Administration Commission. What they contend is they want higher tariffs on, on these imports. Uh, there's a very complicated technical argument around these tariffs. They want an increase in, in these tariffs. Uh, we hear today that there will be oral arguments by the Poultry Association at uh, the Commission next week. Your view on, on this, the potential for, for tariff increases? Uh, as far as the oral arguments are concerned, we're also participating in an oral hearing next week, which is on Tuesday, and we'll see how that goes. In terms of the potential, we, we don't really know. We are very concerned. If those tariff increases do come into play, we see a very big price increase at the tolls uh, to the detriment of uh, the consumer, and particularly the, the poorer consumer. What, what, what could consumers expect to be paying if, if those tariffs do get to or anywhere close to the levels that uh, 
that the Poultry Association wants? We believe at the lower end of the proposed tariffs, the increase will be around about 30% of the tolls. At the higher end, it will be closer to 50%. The local association contend that the increases will be between 10 and 15%. Now, while we don't accept that at all, but even taking a figure of 15%, that's almost three times the current inflation rate, and it will be a very big knock to the poor of this country. David, what you've told us now, and, and, and reading some of your commentary and some of your comments about, uh, obviously, uh, some of these figures being thrown around, you contend that the business models of, of a lot of these uh, broiler businesses here in the country, that farm chickens are broken. Are they broken? We, we believe so. Uh, the local industry really has built its business model on the mass supply of a highly brined product, which represents somewhere between 60 to 70 percent of its sales. And now that the consumer is becoming more aware that he or she is paying for water, uh, we think that the local industry will need more than a 10 to 15 percent increase to replace lost sales. At the same time, we understand that uh, in, in tough economic uh, climates, uh, industries will, by necessity, suffer. And the local industry uh, is experiencing some hard times, but we don't believe that it's related to imports at all. David, what has the, uh, the recent RAND weakness done to imports? At this stage, it hasn't really been felt, but if the weakness is sustained, it certainly will push up the, the price of imports. But at this point in time, there's, there's been uh, no real increase which has affected consumer spending. And at these levels, surely local producers would be exporting chicken? Well, unfortunately, they don't export uh, chicken. Uh, one would expect that an industry that claims to be world-class would export any excess capacity, yet due to its inability to meet health and sanitary criteria, uh, exports are virtually null. David Walpert is Chief Executive of the Association of Meat Importers and Exporters of South Africa, telling us the other side of that story. David, very interesting to hear the other <laughs> no, side. I, I, that's, that's crazy, you know, that he says 10%. I'm not, I'm not doubting what he says, mm. but to say that only 12% of current consumption is import goes against everything that we've heard uh, recently about the imports, uh, imports coming through. So it's, uh, you know, that's, that's not a huge number. And, uh, and uh, certainly that, that if they do get tariffs, um, you know, you're going to get a 30% increase. It's, very, it's a very similar story. I don't know if you've been watching the IATA um, mm. arguments down in Cape Town as well, where a lot of airlines you know, start complaining about foreign competition, uh, which is grossly exaggerated, etc. It just seems to be a common complaint here. But uh, anyway, you know, I'm not one. I can only listen to the arguments. I don't know much about chicken other than eating them. Well, we know that food retailers in the country, the big supermarket Mm. groups, are opposed to this increase in tariffs, obviously, uh, officially and unofficially. I've had uh, a couple of conversations with some executives at at, uh, the retailers. They would obviously be totally against uh, these kinds of increases. Imagine paying 30% more for chicken. Yeah, but but of course that's going to, I mean, it's going to kill sales. But um, I think what, what worries me is if we've seen some of the results coming out of chicken producers, you know, how does one explain? Because the biggest excuse or there has been because of the, the cost of imports has brought them down. Now, certainly, if it's only 10%, does that affect the price? You know, does, does a small amount of imports actually bring down the price of 90% of the uh, other production? Let's try and get the South African Poultry Association uh, onto the show either tomorrow evening mm-hmm. or Friday evening to hear their side of the story as well. Ten years ago, we hosted the inaugural Kimberley Process Summit. For the second time, South Africa is chair of this important international structure. 
on behalf of all South Africans, I am proud to welcome back members of the Kimberley process to a renewal of our collective commitment to an equitably prosperous world, free of conflict downs. This message is brought to you by the South African government. Well, FNB's bank charges for the next year announced today. The changes kick in at the end of the month from the 1st of July. As always with these things, some fees have increased. Many have stayed the same. I'm not too sure that many have decreased. Joanne Duplessis, head of pricing at FNB Core Banking Solutions, joins us now. Joanne, a big focus on the lower end with the easy account and the smart account. Both those uh, monthly fees remaining unchanged. That's right, Hilton. Um, yeah, as usual, FNB is, um, we pride ourselves in being the market leader in terms of affordable banking, and we are very conscious of our lower tier customers. So, I mean, starting with our entry level easy accounts, um, we've, we've done quite a few changes this year on this account. We, for example, we've scrapped subscription fees. So, in contact, which is our SMS alert service, that um, is now free, as well as subscriptions for online and cell phone banking. Um, we've kept the monthly account fee unchanged at, at 4 and 20. Our free, our FME debit orders are completely free. And then as we've done in the past where we've allowed them to purchase or swipe on their uh, cards, that remains free, as well as cash at all, which is where customers could go into any retail store such as ShopRite, Checkers, Boxer, pick and pay, and actually withdraw cash at the till at the same time as they pay for their purchases. Joanne, cell phone banking, obviously free for, for those customers at the lower end now, but also free across the board. Uh, depending on your price plan, uh, in the past you, you might have paid for, for cell phone banking. Yes, you could have, depending on the option that you are on, but this year we've um, scrapped it. Obviously, a big focus for FMB is to ensure that customers use cheaper and obviously more convenient electronic channels. Cell phone banking is definitely one of them. Um, Every person, most people, have a cell phone, Mm -hmm. and um, we make, obviously, uh, these functionalities available to them, and we don't want the fees to be a barrier. So we would really rather that um, you use those cheap, and in this case, free electronic channels to do all your transacting, Um, right up to a prepaid purchase, an account payment transfer, even a balance inquiry will be free. Joanne, in terms of the the middle class, the kind of middle bracket of customers, middle to, to higher bracket, uh, most of those would be on something like a, a gold check account, perhaps even a, a platinum check account. Where there has been an increase is, is in the unlimited pricing um, for each of those. Um, the gold check account, the unlimited pricing up 3% uh, from last year. Platinum, a big jump there. It's up 12.5% year on year. Why the, why the increase on, on the upper end? Okay, well, um, look, in terms of, uh, once again, offering good value to our customers, our FMB Platinum account is very competitively priced in the market. Um, so the increase or the, the new fee will be at 135 rand per month. And um, in terms of the value that the customers are getting, uh, coming back to rewards, um, they, they get uh, up to 2.5% back um, in e-bucks in terms of any a, a number of categories of spend. And then in addition to that, Platinum customers benefit from our slow lounge, which is situated at, at all our domestic airports. Um, so for the for the fee that they pay, which we believe is is very well priced, they're actually getting a lot um, back in value, and many of our customers are benefiting more in terms of the value that they receive in, um, as opposed to what they're paying in fees.
Joanne, what would your advice be to, to customers? There, there is an online fee calculator where they, where they can figure out how much they use. Yes, there is. So that is available on our website, um, and customers can go and find it, um, put in the way in which they transact. It will help to advise whether they're on the right account um, and also you know, show them what they're paying today and what potentially the best pricing option could be. Um, there's, there's some simple things that they can do. So, for example, transact electronically. Don't go into branch. That will always be more expensive. Mm. Um, use our free services such as cash at all instead of going to an ATM. Um, it is way more convenient. Um, the other thing that we've obviously made available is our F&B banking app. So, once again, available to you anytime, anywhere, on your cell phone. You can make a payment even while you're standing in a queue at the shop. So there are a number of ways in which customers can minimize their fees, and that's available across the board. Highly popular that app is. Nearly half a million customers using the app at the moment. Joanne Duplessis is Head of Pricing at FNB Core Banking Solutions. SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. Well, the 10th edition of PwC's annual global mining survey entitled Mine a Confidence Crisis out today. It paints a bleak picture of a sector facing flat revenues, declining profits and share prices at their lowest levels in years and sometimes decades. Hein Buchmann is PwC's mining leader for Africa. The survey using financial information for the 2012 financial year. Hein, some of that uh, stretches back into 2011. And uh, looking at the top 40 mining companies in the world, obviously that includes Anglo-American and BHP Billiton uh, of local interest, Anglo Gold Ashanti, Goldfields and Impala Platinum included uh, in that uh, sample of 40 companies. This report uh, painting an almost complete loss of confidence in nearly every aspect of the mining sector. I I think, uh, thank you first of all for the opportunity, Hilton. Uh, If we look back to 2005 when we spoke about the entering of the dragon, the the China interest into into the mining industry, then the good times rolling up to 2008 when it got uh, got ugly um, and uh, when the going gets tough was our title then back to the boom and the rebound but in the last two or three years there's this growing disconnect and this year we call it a confidence crisis in that the market seems to be valuing companies at a particular level whereas the industry seems to think that um, some of the good things that they're doing go, go unrewarded. And I think that is perhaps where, where this, this, this connect comes from. Hein, what about gold miners uh, in these, these top 40 across, across the world? Obviously, one or two South African-based uh, gold companies in that. Gold companies having a torrid time, not only on the cost front, but also on the uh, share price front. Uh, massive, massive, massive losses of value. Yes, if you look at the, the buy number, there's a, as we've surveyed, 40 and 28% of that sample will be, will be mining companies, but they only represent 14% of the value. And if you take that back 10 years, it was a completely different picture. The inverse of that is if you take the diversified that have iron ore assets and, uh, and you look at how small they are by sample, uh, you know, it's only about 8 or 9%, but they bring close to 30% of the, the value from a market capitalization percentage. The story with gold, there certainly seems to be a disconnect between the increase in market capitalization on the back of the increase in the gold price. Historically, those things have been pretty closely linked, but it does look at the moment that, you know, the continued market slide uh, with a relatively stable dollar gold price, that link has been broken, and, and the market is more looking at, at the ability to give reasonable returns um, on, 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 on capital invested. 
and and I, and I think that is perhaps uh, where, where a part of the hiding comes from. Ein Bochmann, a mining leader uh, in Africa for PwC, and we'll try and bring you his thoughts on labour, specifically the the South African environment as it relates to the global mining sector in tomorrow night's program, just after six o'clock. It was a day where the JSE ended down a quarter of one percent, forty thousand seven hundred and ninety-three on the all share. The rand, as David mentioned earlier. 2% weaker, back through 10 rand to the dollar, 10.01 at the moment against the greenback. Well, this has been the SAFM Market Update with Money Web. We're back tomorrow at 6 o'clock. It's 6.30 now and time for Game Plan.